Today on the podcast, singer-songwriter Jenny Owens shares her very inspiring story. We talk about how she started her music career, we talked about her songwriting process, her upcoming album, and much more. That's today on the CMB Podcast, episode 56. Welcome to the CMB Podcast, a podcast designed to serve people of faith who make music. If you're looking for practical and inspirational ideas to help you in your musical craft, then look no further. ChristianMusicBlog.com is all about helping you think differently about creativity through eyes of faith as you learn how to establish healthy musical habits and disciplines, fueling your creativity and making you more prolific for the glory of God. And now your host, Nate Fancher. Hello and welcome to session 56 of the Christian Music Blog Podcast. My name is Nate Fancher. I am the host of a podcast that is basically a conversation with other people of faith who make music. I'm an artist myself. I'm a singer, songwriter, a worship leader, and I invite folks on to talk about their music, to talk about their journey in uh, creating music and writing songs. And so if you're a Christian artist yourself, then this podcast is meant to serve you. This is the podcast serving people of faith who make music. And if it's your first time checking out our podcast, head over to christianmusicblog.com slash gift. I have a gift for you that I want to give you just to say thanks for checking out the podcast today. It's how I use Evernote, the wonderful app Evernote, to stay organized in my songwriting. And I want to share that with you. It's a PDF and an MP3 on how you can use Evernote to stay more organized as a songwriter. Again, that's christianmusicblog.com slash gift. All right, today we have Jenny Owens on the podcast. Very excited to share with you my conversation with her. Um, I was honored to meet her, and our conversation was just inspiring for me personally, and excited to share with you. That's why I do this podcast, um, to, to bring on great folks who will inspire you in your journey as uh, an aspiring songwriter, wherever you are in your journey. Maybe you've been writing for a long time, maybe you're a professional musician or a professional writer yourself, and um, just to, to listen in on these conversations might inspire you. So, um, And Jenny's awesome. She's a down-to-earth, humble person, and when you look at what she's done, and then you meet her, it's just so cool to see that that evidence of God's grace in her life. So, all right, I, want, I don't want to waste any time here, so I want to get right into our conversation. Here's my chat with Jenny Owens on the 56th session of the CMB Podcast. It's a real honor to have Jenny Owens on the CMB podcast. Jenny, thank you so much for your time today, and just really excited to talk with you about your music and and for listen, the listeners to hear what's been going on with you, and for those folks who don't know who you are, just for them to be exposed to who you are and what you do. So thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to get to talk with you today. Um, now, you obviously have done a lot. You have a great career. You have a lot of uh, things that we could talk about, and but why don't we just start with for those folks who who don't know your story, how you how you came to faith in Christ, how how you started writing songs and 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 in music. Go back as far as you can remember and, and share with us your story. All right. Well, um, when I was two years old, now this could be a long podcast. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no problem. Um, I, I found the piano when I was two. Um, I found it was one of the few things I could do in the house that, you know, was not uh, troublesome to my parents. Like finger painting my bedroom walls seemed to be, or, you know, um, I don't know, uh, climbing my closet shelves, which was another of my favorites. But those tended to get me in a little bit of trouble. And so one day I came upon our dining room piano. It was an old reject piano that the church was going to throw away. And my dad said, no, we'll take it home. And I figured out really quickly that you could play the songs that 
um, well, I could play the songs that I sang in Sunday school or uh, in preschool uh, on the piano. And so started picking out melodies by ear uh, fairly, uh, you know, fairly early on uh, in my experience with the piano. And um, about a year later, um, I lost the little bit of vision that I had. Um, I had been born with um, a degenerative eye condition that was uh, from my dad's in- inherited from my dad's side of the family. So I lost the little bit of eyesight I had remaining. And um, mom said I went to bed for about six months and then got up and just was a normal kid and did everything that my brother did and that the neighbor kids did and climb trees and did all those fun things as well. Um, and continued to love music and continued to love to play piano, even though my mom decided, uh, maybe when I was about four to send me to piano lessons. Um, and I just hated them and, um, never wanted to take them again. And because God has a sense of humor, I ended up taking them until the end of college. Um, but I also, uh, came to faith around that time. Um, I accepted Jesus into my heart when I was four. And of course, when you're that young, you don't know a lot about what, what you're really accepting, but you know that Jesus is, um, you know, the one that you want to be your best friend. And, um, so for me, that was um, that was just, uh, I, I guess, a very easy thing to accept. It was just very easy for me to believe that he loved me and that he was, you know, the boss of the universe and that I wanted to love him. And so as, uh, as I grew, I continued to love to um, play around with music. I, I became a really shy kid, you know, especially getting into school and discovering that folks were kind of scared of someone that was blind or, you know, especially as you get into the older elementary years, you know, people have to have someone to pick on. And so I was a pretty great candidate for that. Um, So, you know, one of the ways that I really responded to that was to um, begin writing my own music and um, also writing other things like stories and um, just poetry and, and just things that helped me sort of express my heart and whatever was going on and, and, uh, in my life and also just to express my faith. Um, my mom said to me at some point in my elementary years, um, when I had a particularly hard day, she said, you know, Jenny, there are days that, um, you're going to find that Jesus is not only your best friend, but he's also your only friend. And it's in those days that you really learn who he is and you learn how to know him and how to trust him. And that was really true for my journey of faith. You know, there were definitely times that uh, Jesus was more important uh, and, and, you know, I understood more and took a, another step of faith. Um, and, and there were times that I just grew in, in realizing how necessary, how key he was in, in my journey. And so um, I, I really began writing songs, I think, when I was about eight seven or eight. And I always say it's because God had to start me really early on in that journey because he knew how long it would take for me to actually be any good at it. And so I, um, I was, I mean, you know, my songs were pretty silly, um, for many years actually, but they were, um, you know, sometimes my expressions of faith, sometimes my thoughts about boys, um, you know, they were whatever they needed to be. Um, but songwriting was just definitely an outlet for me when, when my mom was not home or my brother was occupied with other things. I would sit at the piano or sit in my room and, and write songs. And um, so after high school, I thought that I really wanted to major in music because I had this love of songwriting. And, uh, and I had, a you know, obviously just a, a love of um, of playing piano and singing, but I was a really, I don't think I was a good singer at all. And I was really shy. So I would, you know, perform occasionally, um, you know, during, during high school and even during college, but, um, it just wasn't something I was terribly comfortable with. I wanted to be, but I just thought, you know, this, this maybe isn't the right career path. Um, especially because, uh, I moved to Nashville, Tennessee to go to Belmont university for college And it was just like, 
yeah, everybody here is super talented and that's not me. So maybe I'll just major in music education and I will be the coolest high school music teacher ever. And so that was sort of the, I don't know, that was my sort of predicted path for myself. And um, I really wanted to, you know, teach, maybe teach kids how to write songs and maybe even teach them how to, you know, do um, background vocals or, you know, kind of do more pop things. I thought, you know, I could really, I could really take the choral music world by storm in some way. And so after college, I began looking for a job as a teacher and discovered very quickly that most school administrators were um, very apprehensive about hiring a blind teacher um, to, you know, manage their classrooms of high school students or elementary students for that matter. So um, after just months of pounding the pavement and trying to find a job as a teacher, I ended up settling for a desk job, um, which, which I was actually very grateful for. And uh, going back to school, beginning uh, grad school in music education, because I thought, well, I could still do this. And, and I have to say, um, or I usually say, I'm probably the only person that ever came to Nashville and hoped to uh, teach music for a living and actually got a songwriting deal instead. <laughs> so it was a, a couple months after that, I, um, a publisher in town had heard some of my music and um, I, I was going to go meet with them. And I remember the night before thinking, well, should I just go ahead and call him and tell him I can't see so that if he doesn't want to have this meeting, that we just don't waste our time. Because it felt like that was the response I was getting from all the school administrators. So I did not do that. I went in and met with them. We had a great chat, and I ended up signing with his company several months later. And he told me, um, I think within a year, you will have a record deal. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, what are you talking about? And sure enough, within a year, I um, ended up signing with um, a label that was really new at the time uh, that was created by Michael W. Smith. It was a label called Rocket Town Records. And I um, worked with them, made, um, how many records did I make for them? Well, I made four studio projects and several live albums for them. So I worked with them for about nine years, I think, eight or nine years, which was just wonderful. And then um, after they sort of um, went away, as many labels did when, when downloading came along, um, I started to do the independent thing and, and started to make records uh, independently. So it's been quite a musical adventure, but um, quite a blessing. That's that's really, really cool. Um, yeah, you know, I think I counted up uh, 13 projects. Does that sound about right to you? I think it does. Yeah, we've had a few um, online EPs. Or we, I always talk about myself as if there are several of us. I've, I've released a couple of... Um, online EPs that just were um, content that, that went away. But, but when you add in all of those, that it makes about 13, I think, which makes me really old. <laughs> no, so. it's, it's, all, it's just great. I mean, 13, you're just getting into your teens as far as that right. goes, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you, yeah, you've won three Dove Awards. You, you won in, in the year 2000, New Artist of the Year. Tell us what that was like. It was a huge surprise. Um, it was such an honor, though, uh, for you know folks that did what I did to say, "Hey, we like what you do," and you know to sort of encourage me in that way. Um, I was very much the you know, uh, especially at that time, very much the the sort of rebel artist, and oh, those things aren't important, and who cares about awards? Um, but you know, uh, especially. Uh, after the fact, but even in the moment, I was just very humbled and honored that um, folks um, thought enough of what I did to um, to give me that award. So I remember being so exhausted that we were constantly on the road and um, just constantly working and so much was going on that I just, it really didn't hit me for almost a year after that it actually had happened. So it's been a, a very sweet thing to look back and reflect on though. And you've you've worked a lot with other other great writers like Cindy Morgan. Uh, we just recently had Andrew Greer on the podcast, which is how we got connected. 
And um, what has it been like for you as as a songwriter to connect with other great songwriters and, and in terms of community and relationships and all that that means? You know, I love it. Um, it is, you know, there's something about musicians um, and, and songwriters. We kind of are all kindred spirits. So, you know, we speak this really unusual language. And so most of the time when you get in a room with someone who uh, also loves music and loves songwriting, you you can kind of understand each other pretty quickly. And uh, Cindy is someone I've known for years and years. She and I were on uh, the first tour that I did, which was the Night in Rocket Town tour, um, way back in, in 1999 and 2000. She she was my roommate on those tours, and so. Um, after that, we wrote some songs together, and um, actually, we just wrote a few songs together uh, over the past couple of weeks. So it's just been so sweet to uh, continue that friendship and, and several other friendships that have been long term, and and just um, like I said, just kindred spirits, people that understand you and understand the language you speak and speak it as well. So um, it's not really like anything else. We we work in a, a special kind of business where we can. I don't know, interpret each other that way. Yeah, yeah I, I lived in Nashville for um, a year, um, and it was a kind of a quick thing. I was actually 19 years old. It was, uh, oh, wow. for me personally, not the best time of my life. But, um, look, I, I, you know, years later, here I am in North Carolina. I look back, and, I, and I've kept some relationships there, but I've seen the town get more, I don't know, it just has improved in a lot of ways, and it just seems like there's such a rich community there. Um and you're still in Nashville, is that true? I am, yes. I live in, in Franklin, so just south of Nashville. So, yeah, right in the in the fray of it. But I actually left for a minute, too. I moved to New York City um, for a while and because I decided Nashville was feeling too small. <laughs> and New York City could not possibly feel too small. That's, so, that's... And I missed it while I was gone. Uh, so, uh, But I, I loved New York. I, I definitely could, could live there. But there's just something about the community that is so special in Nashville. Yeah. For sure. What'd you do in New York? Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, um, I decided that I needed to take a little break from the music world. Um, so I was still doing shows on the weekend, but I wanted some anonymity and I wanted to kind of think about next steps. It was just after um, I had completed my deal with Rocket Town. And so um, they were kind of at the end of, of their life. And I was, so I knew I was going to have to take another step. And I thought, well, do I want to sign with another label? Do I want to make independent records? What do I want to do? So I thought, well, I won't think too much about it. I'll move to New York. And I, um, did that for, uh, starting in the summer and took several fiction writing classes at Columbia university. Um, and I'm a terrible fiction writer. So that, that was quite a feat, but so much fun. It really was just a wonderful experience. And um, it was just a really neat time of, um, I think, of finding God again, too. Um, you know, sometimes when you work in, in Christian service of any kind, but in particular, uh, well, maybe not in particular, but uh, when you're writing, you know, Christian music all day and you're using Christian language and you're speaking to people that uh, mostly are Christians, I don't know, sometimes it's it's hard to find find. God in that, um, you know, you kind of go, what's new? What, what haven't you shown me about yourself? You know, um, how can I find you? How can you be real, um, in this place? And what was really special about my time in New York was as I began to get involved in different churches, I realized how faith, um, how the community of faith is so different there and how faith is lived out so differently there. Um, because people, um, you know, people, it's not like in the South where people are sort of expected to go to church or at least even in the South, it's still acceptable to go to church. I would say in New York, um, it's, you know, sort of frowned upon, uh, maybe more than sort of. And so people were at church because they wanted to be there. And um, it was just, it was really, really special. People were usually very quick to engage and um, to make friends and, um, just they said, you know, we've just learned that, um, you know, having Christian community is valuable and not something we have a lot of here. So um, it, it was a really neat discovery for me of just, I don't know, more about who the body of Christ is and and just 
more about um, who Christ is. So I came back from that and thought, wow, I'm going to move to New York because it's, it's wonderful and I love it. And um, then um, my mother was diagnosed with cancer. So I, uh, instead of moving to New York, moved temporarily to Jackson, Mississippi, which is a whole lot different than New York City. And uh, lived there for about eight months um, and went through treatment with her and then came back to Nashville. And she's doing wonderful now. And, uh, and it's great to be back home in Nashville. I know that you, I think it was 2005, so I'd love to hear how this fits into your story as well, but you were a, a part of the Fingerprint Initiative. Am I saying that correctly? Right. Yeah, tell us a little bit more about that as well. So Fingerprint Initiative is not, um, it does not fingerprint people, but um, <laughs> I started the Fingerprint Initiative. Uh, the name was Inspired by uh, a lyric in a song of mine called I Love the Way. And the lyric says, uh, catching glimpses of your mysteries, I find your fingerprints on everything. And so the idea of, um, of our, our, our sort of mantra at the Fingerprint Initiative is bringing hope to the world one touch at a time and sort of being God's fingerprints or leaving God's fingerprints uh, on the world. And what we... Uh, aim to do was, um, and, and we actually are hopefully going to relaunch later this year. We've been a little bit quiet for a couple of years now, but um, what we like to do is to invite our friends and fans, especially at concerts around the country, um, to know uh, or to have opportunities to serve, um, you know, with maybe a, a worldwide and international uh, cause or organization, and also to know about um, ways they can serve in their own communities, in their own backyards. And so what we would do would, would uh, or what we have done in the past is to have a theme for the year and partner with um, a nonprofit, an international nonprofit to do uh, some sort of project that people could either participate in or contribute to. Um, so one year, for instance, our, um, our theme was um, to help those with disabilities. So we built a habitat house um, where both parents, uh, for parents, sorry, I can't talk today. We built a habitat house um, for two disabled and their three children. And we also worked with Compassion International to help uh, their, help get some of their disabled children sponsored because they said that is often the hardest thing for them to do or one of the hardest things is um, to get sponsorships for those children. Um, but then we would also do local, um, you know, partner with local ministries um, to, this, to the disabled when we would go into to different cities for shows. And, um, it, you know, it just gave people um, opportunities to, to discover, you know, ways to get involved, um, you know, where they were locally, uh, but also to be involved with a larger project. So it's a lot of fun. Um, I'm excited to to relaunch again and, and get going. Have you included other artists in with that? I mean, uh, love, would love to hear a little bit more how you how you do the day to day stuff. I mean, you start so you started this nonprofit. I did, yes, and uh, you know, honestly, I ran it sort of single handedly for as long as I could, and um, I mean, have a board. But I just realized, wow, it's really hard to be a musician and try to run a nonprofit. So um, it will look different with the relaunch. Um, I will have to have help um, thinking through all of those things. But, but yes, it's, uh, it's definitely something I would love to collaborate more with other artists. And, you know, we, we have sort of structured the organization so that we can do lots of different things and take advantage of lots of different opportunities to serve. And, you know, the, the biggest thing that I, I want to be able to invite uh, you know, friends and concert goers to know is just that that there are endless ways to serve, and that you know you don't have to be on stage to serve, and you don't have to go on a mission trip to serve. So um, that that's sort of the ultimate vision. You you mentioned before we started the interview, and I didn't know about this, but you are working on a new a new record, and it's uh, supposed to be completed by the end of the year. You're you're working on the title, but tell us about the the songs, the the process of this record, and. Um, 
Now, I mean, you, you just said also the fingerprint initiative will relaunch at the end of the year. Will these two things be together or are they kind of separate? Well, we hope the record is uh, comes first, but who knows? <laughs> we'll see. I'm hoping the record will release in October. Um, I'm praying the record will release in October, but um, we're still uh, sort of putting the finishing touches on it. We're really close. Um, I, um, I think the record is going to be titled I Know a Secret, which is based on um, Philippians 4.12, um, where Paul says, you know, I know the secret of, uh, you know, facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And just that whole section, uh, you know, the first half of Philippians 4 has just sort of been my life passage of scripture for the last couple of years. Um, and just learning what it is to be content in every circumstance. Um, I'm still learning. That is a work in progress. But it's certainly something I and I aspire to. Um, and just you know, learning that the secret is is um, is our faith in in Christ, and so every song on the record is is really uh, about some secret that I feel like I've been, uh, or some aspect of that secret I feel like I've been um, exploring, or perhaps wrestling with over the last few years. Um, I have recorded the record with Monroe Jones, who. Um, produced my first few projects, and we go way back. And he's produced everyone from Third Day to um, uh, some indie artists like Holly Williams to um, folks that, if you've been listening to Christian music for a while, you would know like Chris Rice and Watermark and Sean Groves and um, all kinds of different folks. So he's a really amazing guy. Um, but doesn't really produce too many records anymore. So I had to beg him out of hiding to produce this project with me. And it was just so much fun. And it's kind of a, a more organic, you know, still pop, but very much the thing we do together, which is kind of the organic singer-songwriter thing. Um, and let's see, what else did you ask me about that? Yeah, that was a, a lot of questions wrapped into one, I guess. Yeah, tell us about... Um, the, the songwriting process, you know, your, your record, Get In, I'm Driving, was uh, 2011. Right. Actually, it was released on my birthday, September 13th. That's, that's what I found. Anyway, I don't know if that's true, but I it saw that true. online, which is kind of cool. But um, so it's been a little while since you've done that. Now, are these songs that you've written over the last three years or two years? They are. Uh, there's one song that is um, much older that I think I wrote back in 2004, 2005. And have never put on a project, but everything else was something I've, I've written over the last few years, and it was—I don't know—was a very daunting task initially uh, to to start writing this record because I just thought, "Wow, music is in such a different place. Um, how do I possibly articulate all the things that I feel like I've been learning and experiencing over the past few years?" Um, but Monroe and I kind of just got in there and, and did it. Monroe's. Uh, great in encouraging me not to overthink things, which I'm the queen of overthinking. And um, he, uh, unlike other projects we've done together, he and I actually collaborated uh, on the writing of, of lots of the tracks on this record. So that was a lot of fun and, and just great to have his sort of pop sensibilities and um, his quirky sensibilities as well. Um, but it was, as we got into it, it, it became very, I think, therapeutic for me to uh, just um, articulate and and uh, learn to articulate some of the things that had been going on in, in my faith journey and also just personally. Um, I mean, I feel like just, just learning about, um, you know, the secret of, of Paul's contentment has been huge um, and, and life-changing for me. Um, and, and so just kind of to keep coming back to that passage and investigating that as I was writing different songs was um, was very, very effective. I'd love to actually, um, that's a great, seems like a great segue into talking about your songwriting process. We actually have, uh, most of our listeners are musicians themselves. They're aspiring songwriters and artists. And so I have a couple of questions in my mind that I'd love to, to, to pick your brain on, but let's talk with, let's talk about songwriting first, your process, um, the things you've learned over the years, you're certainly at the level of, you know, what is it they say that it takes about 10,000 hours to become really, really good at something? And, and so 
um, it's, I guess, eight years old, you know, you started doing this, but um, would love to, to hear about your process now and, and how that's maybe um, grown over the years and how you've perfected it, if I can use that word. Songwriting is, oh man, there are so many things that I continue to discover about songwriting, actually. I feel like I have been doing it forever, and yet uh, there's always much more to be learned. But, um, you know, the most important part of, of songwriting, um, and I have told my students this for, for years, is, is doing it. <laughs> I think one of the hardest things for a lot of us who are musicians, is we, uh, or a lot of us who are creative, is we think about doing something, and we um, think about how we might do it. And we think about when we might do it, but we don't actually sit down and just do it. And, you know, songwriting, um, I, I like to think of it as, as a good friend. And um, the more time you invest in your good friend, the more you're going to know of that person, uh, the more they're going to know you, uh, the stronger your friendship's going to be. And, of course, it would be the same with any, uh, anything, any craft or any skill you take on. But um, songwriting is, is kind of like that. I, I, I like to think of it as that friend that I want to continue to get to know and um, to continue to get to know my process uh, of my relationship uh, to that friend. So that's the most important thing that I continue to learn is to, to write, to find time um, as often as possible. Um, I have uh, when I when I teach students who are really eager to get into songwriting and are, are just starting out, I encourage them strongly to find time every day to just write. Maybe you're not writing a song every day, but you're uh, sitting down and, and journaling every day, or something where you're just taking mm-hmm. a moment to be creative and to just. I think there's just something that happens when you um, convey. Uh, you know, the things, the thoughts that are in your brain uh, to, you know, your hands, either with a pen or with a computer. Um, I think the more experienced you become at doing that, um, the more articulate you're going to become and the better your songs are going to be. So that, that's one thing that I have learned is just write every day if you can, or, but at least write often. Um, and, uh, man, there's so many. I'm trying to think of what else would be a... a important i'm actually i would love to hear you maybe talk about your um like what does it look like for you like during that time are you sitting at your instrument or does it change every time or you do you have a pretty uh you know set routine that you've just really honed over the years or what's that look like well the only part of my routine that i have honed is accepting that my songwriting is often a slow process so I used to get really impatient with myself and say, why can't I just finish this now? And some ideas you can finish quickly, but I found if something really matters to me, then I need to just think it through, work it out. Some days that means sitting down at the piano with it. Some days it means taking notes while I'm you know, journaling uh, in the morning and, and, oh, well, maybe this is a good line for the song. Um, so that's probably the thing that I have... Um, well, one of the things that I've come to accept is just my process is, I mean, there's, there are songs that have taken me years to write. Um, that doesn't happen quite as much anymore because I have learned to, to push through. But I have learned that, that sometimes quality, um, quality lyrics um, or maybe just a quality song can emerge from just taking time and living with it and thinking about what it is you really want to say. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I find that happens with scripture passages or if there's a, a concept I've really been wrestling with and maybe working through it with, you know, or, or uh, learning about it through scripture. Sometimes I just think, you know, I'll, I want to spend longer uh, working on that song till I sort of figure that out. But um, my process is uh, a, a lot of times, or most of the time for me, uh, inspiration will come in a, in a, melody that's tied to some kind of basic lyric. So I'll, I'll usually just get a phrase of something that's a melody and a lyric. And a lot of times that lyric will change. Um, melody always comes easier, more easily for me. So I will usually finish a melody and, and might finish lyrics, some lyrics as well, but 
I, I usually complete a melody before I um, before I complete the lyric for a song. Um, it, it's kind of a strange process, but I've just learned that you know usually um, usually it's kind of that melody and lyric that emerge at the same time, and it may be just a phrase or two. And then sometimes I'll, I'll just sing it, and I always try to have you know my phone handy so I can put it in voice memos. Um, and sometimes I'll go to the piano. Sometimes I find if I go to an instrument too quickly that it um, it, it kind of ruins the melody. Like it, I I just need to kind of get get the melody solidified in my head before I do that. Um, but but you know I do think one of the things that happens too as um, as you continue to write songs is you can sort of learn. Uh, the more a more methodical approach to songwriting. So you know, if I'm going to sit in a room with someone and songwrite, instead of thinking, "Yeah, I got to wait six months on this song to emerge," I will, you know, as they will, throw out ideas, and we'll sit at the piano and we'll work out the melody, and we'll, you know, hash out the lyric and get there. So I think, um, you know, as I have continued on in my songwriting journey, I have learned that. But that is also a process, you know. Maybe there are more personal songs that we we might treasure more and want to take our time with. And uh, but there's another way to get at songwriting, which is to sit and just push through and um, not overthink, and you know, sit with an instrument and um, and and just work at it. You know, I, I like to say some of my favorite songwriters can solve songs like their math problems. You know, they just, they sort of understand the song, the science of songwriting and they, and I'm not that great at it, um, but, but I am learning to do it more often. Um, you know, they just sort of understand the science and sit down and go for it. So there's, there's definitely merit in that as well. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, uh, yeah, I guess there's like a combination, obviously, of the science and then the art, um, obviously. And that's one of the, that's one of the things I love about songwriting is that it is very, you know the meter, the the syllables, the the all the different devices. You know, and then then there is just the the art. Um, yeah, that's really cool to hear you talk about that. I, I, I was uh, really really um, encouraged to hear you talk about how you come with m- melodies first. Often, um, have you found though that that makes it a little bit harder for you to then find the lyrics for that, or do you end up kind of adjusting the melody in terms of you know trying to force lyrics on a melody because of rhythms and syllables and lyrics I do find sometimes I have to adjust and some and that's why sometimes too it, it takes longer to write a lyric because it seems like okay this melody is right now I have to find a lyric that fits in it and you know I, I always um, find that the simpler a melody is you know sort of the more hooky the more poppy a melody is the more rhythmic it is uh, the harder it is to find a lyric you know, um, I think pop songs especially can be some of the hardest to write because you have just, you know, when you're, when you're sort of writing for yourself, something that can ebb and flow and sort of be stream of conscious, you know, you can write a melody and a lyric that way. You can sort of phrase it how you want, um, you know, when you're not trying to, you know, color inside the lines. But, um, you know, the, the more pop, the more commercial you want um, a melody to be, often it means the struggle of putting lyrics into that is is a little bit greater um, just because you, just to make them fit and to make them right and to make them sound like you didn't force them to fit. I can understand what you're saying about it being very difficult. Um, it, it might seem to some like, oh, pop songs are so simple and easy, but but um, to do really well, it makes it even harder. So. I think so. Um, I, it's, it's why if you look at most pop songs or most, you know, CCM songs, you will see lots of writers involved, not just one. Um, and, and that's not always the case, but I think it takes a lot of getting a lot of heads together to sort of think about that and think through um, how you, you know, how you make that come together and be be very memorable and singable. So, um, so I, I do try to. Um, I try to give myself, I mean, for me, as much as the melody comes most naturally um, or more naturally than, than a lyric does, the lyric is always so much more important because I do feel like, uh, I, I really feel like songs are, are stories and, um, you know, journeys that I want to invite people on. And not that I want to take myself so seriously in that process, but 
I have just learned over the course of my career the power of song and that people will uh, find hope or encouragement or, I don't know, just maybe just release in, in you know, um, in what they hear in a, in a piece of music. So I want to be uh, intentional about, about offering those lyrics of, of hope and encouragement and, um, and of, of faith, too. And so that, I, so I do, you know, try to give the lyrics. I mean, if I need to, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of what the right word is. If, if the melody might, you know, need to, you know, suffer in one tiny moment of the song, suffer is a, the wrong word. But if I need to crowd an extra lyric, I'm not going to overthink it too much. I feel like we could talk about songwriting forever. We're, we're kind of coming near the end of our time together here, but I, I would love to hear you speak a little bit to what you're doing now in terms of the whole indie thing. Uh, you were on Rocket Town Records for those uh, four projects, and uh, I don't know if you're with a label now or not, but but music's changed a lot in the last 10 years um, in terms of the business side, the industry side. How are you managing that, and what are you currently doing there? That's a great question. One that I will probably be able to answer better in a few months. I actually, um, I, I did, I released a, a Christmas project and a pens project independently with distribution um, into into uh, retail. And then I released um, the Get In I'm Driving record actually on a small label that was part of EMI Gospel. And now I have been meeting with everyone in town, trying to decide whether it makes more sense to release a record independently if you're going to you know, try to have radio success and try to sort of do the more, um, let's say, commercial route, right. or if it, make, if it really only makes sense to end up with a label. I, my hunch is that I will end up releasing this record independently with, with distribution, from a you know so um we we're talking to several folks right now about distributing the record um so you know a larger company that would do that but i i don't know what we'll end up deciding i'm i'm pretty sure i'm about 90% sure that is what we'll do and then we'll i will put together a team of folks a, a radio person a publicist to um you know set up the record and um several other key folks that can help us launch a record successfully as an independent artist. Um, so that's, that's what I'm leaning toward right now. But um, I have really, unlike any other project I have ever released, I have really taken my time with this one uh, to meet with people, talk with people, let them listen to the music and, and talk to them. Uh, and when I say people, I should say talk to folks within the music industry at, at various labels various management companies, um, you know, various distributors and, and just, uh, hear and even booking agents and just hear what's working for them, what they're scared of. Um, you know, what, everything that they think about where the industry is now and where they think it's going. And it's interesting. I, I hear a lot of the same things. I hear a lot of fear. Um, but I also hear, you know, a, a lot of people that are very hopeful about the future. So, uh, overall, I just hear that everyone's very uh, uncertain about where uh, where music's going next, and you know how soon will. I mean, I'm assuming that you know streaming services and, and such as that will replace you know even our need for iTunes. It's certainly replacing CDs, um, but how soon will all that happen? And no one really knows. And and will the, will you know those services replace radio? And if so, when? So I think it's just, it's an interesting time to be making music, but a fun time because you, you know, uh, well, at least for me, it, it feels like it's certainly not about um, money, although we, we do need to make money to, uh, to live, but it, it, you know, there's, there's a lot of opportunity to be creative and to say what you want to say uh, because you kind of go, well, you know, we're going to put music out and, and there are so many ways to to get that music out these days um, that without a label, you know, through any number of social media portals and of course YouTube. So, you know, it's a, it's a great time to be an independent artist, I think. Um, and it's just, it's a great, it's always a great time to be creative. <laughs> so, 
you're clearly an artist and a songwriter. So in terms of the business stuff, do you work with someone? Do you partner there? Or do you, did you have to kind of learn some of that yourself since, you know, you're more independent now or is someone working with you on that stuff? Um, I do have, uh, I have done a lot of it myself. I actually, um, just, uh, acquired management. So now I have help thinking through those things, but you know, I've, I've been in the industry long enough to sort of, um, experience all the different scenarios of, you know, levels of involvement of other people in my career. And I am certain that I will never again be in a scenario where I'm not driving what happens. So whether there's management involved or a label or whatever, um, and I, I definitely need business partners because I, you know, I'm an artist and my business acumen only goes so far. So I am happy to surround myself and eager to surround myself with people that um, can make wise choices and can inform me on things that I should do. But, um, you know, and I think most younger artists know this now, but it is super important to be involved in, in you know, the details and, and it, well, at the very least, the bigger picture. But usually that also means details um, in, in this day and time of, of your career um, because no one is going to know what needs to happen um, or when it needs to happen um, more more than you. So so yes, it's right. definitely about being proactive and and pursuing um, pursuing those that that could help me make great decisions, but ultimately um, making those great decisions myself. Excellent. Well, yeah, this is this has been really cool and inspiring for me personally. I. Um, I feel like we could talk a long time about some of these things, you know, the whole, especially the whole um, music economy right now and where things are headed, you know, the question mark there and, you know, what that means for artists. But um, this has been great. Now, you're on, you're online. Um, I believe you're, what's your website again? It is JennyOwens.com, G-I-N-N-Y. Great. And, and you have... Um, you said you are relaunching Fingerprint Initiative. I didn't know if there's a website for that or a landing page or something where people can be directed to, or should they just wait until that's all ready to go? There's a fingerprintinitiative.com page, but I don't think anything's up there right now. So um, we will definitely, I will keep up to date on Twitter and Facebook and uh, also on the webs- on my website when we relaunch. Yeah, that sounds great. And I know you're going, you're going on a big trip to Israel with Andrew Greer next spring, I think. We are. Please come with us. We would love for you. You should come with us, Nate. That would be fun. I'd like that. Well, I think you should. We could do lots of podcasts we like could. every day be, from there. That um, would be really, really amazing. Yeah. Yes. We're super excited and we're also, uh, we'll be, I'm sure, well, I remember listening to that podcast and I know he told you that we'll be doing concerts like by the Sea of Galilee and stuff like that. And we'll also be reading, uh, reading different passages from our passages. Sounds weird. That sounds like it's from scripture. We'll be reading different parts of our book, uh, that will release the month after we have been in Israel. So, um, we're super excited about that and, um, can't wait to go. I can't believe we're actually going to the Holy land. So fun. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Fantastic. Well, thank you again so much, Jenny, for, for coming on our podcast, and, and God bless you. And you're, I know you're right in the middle of some exciting stuff and the new record and, and uh, the, the nonprofit coming, coming up again and just really eager to, to see what all happens. It'd be cool to bring you back on the podcast and maybe talk about some of that stuff when we get closer to it. Man, that sounds awesome. You just holler anytime, and we'll talk about songwriting or upcoming stuff or anything that you want. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks so much again, Jenny. Thank you. For today's show notes, just head over to christianmusicblog.com slash 56, and you'll see um, all the things that Jenny and I talked about, um, along with links to her website and social media stuff and uh, find out all that she's up to, especially that trip to Israel. If you're um, interested in doing that, that's going to be a, a sweet trip. I would sure love to to make it there. That'd be awesome. That's next spring, 2015. 
a trip to Israel with Andrew Greer and Jenny Owens. Um, Andrew, if you're listening to this, thanks for um, for getting me connected with Jenny. Um, he was on episode 52. For those of you who missed that episode, I encourage you to go back and check out that conversation with Andrew. It was an awesome chat that, that we had. And um, anyway, so he's the one that got me connected with Jenny, and uh, I appreciate that greatly. It was just an honor to talk to her, to meet her. Jenny, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Um, for those of you listening, I want to just um, say this as we as I as I let you go here, just to reiterate something she said that really jumped out to me, and it was just the 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 advice to just do it. Um, a good songwriter is 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 one that understands that really um, success comes from being consistent and and being um, quantitative, if I can use that word, um, quantity over quality. Actually, quantity begets quality. Um, too many songwriters think that their first couple of songs, you know, they, they, they hold on to them so dearly. Um, in fact, this makes me think of a blog post at the blog. It's um, why your first song is just the beginning. And um, I'll put a link to that in our show notes today. But it's it's true that, you know, when you write that first song, especially if you're just getting started, you, you're just so excited. And, and, and if you feel really, really confident about it and you think it's a great song, uh, you want to show somebody. So you go and you show somebody your song, and if they're your mother or your father or, or your brother or your sister, they uh, they really like it. You know, They're like, oh, that's great. How cute. How sweet. But um, in reality, you need to write 100 more. Um, I think the Beatles, it's, it's uh, apparently, the Beatles actually did like hundreds of songs before they ever released any any music. In fact, all the songs that were put on their first few albums were not their first songs. They had been um, writing songs for a long time. And so um, quantity is so important. So write, 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 and just do it. As, as, as Jenny was saying, I love how she put it. Um, songwriting for her is a good friend. And in order to, to develop that relationship, she has to spend time with that friend. And so um, I just want to reiterate that. That was, that was awesome. All right. Well, that's it for session 56. Um, again, you know, speaking of songwriting, a great way to stay organized in your songwriting is to use Evernote, and I've put together a PDF and an MP3 on how I use Evernote to write uh, more songs, to stay more organized, and to really get that quantity thing going. Again, that's christianmusicblog.com slash gift. It's how uh, I want to just say thanks for checking out our podcast. All right, everyone, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. We've got Steve Rice coming up on the podcast He is the VP of uh, Centricity Publishing and has just launched a new label called Centric Worship. We talked about that and songwriting and and several other awesome things. That's going to be in session 57 in a couple of weeks. Until then, have a great couple of weeks, and we'll see you soon. So when the whole world turns against me And I'm all by myself And I can't hear you answer my cries for help I remember the sovereign your love put you through and I will go through the valley if you want me to thank you for listening to the CMB podcast for more valuable content including helpful articles and video Visit ChristianMusicBlog.com.